The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 66 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, as always, here to bring you this week's episode as we talk about Benfica and Bovista from last Saturday, the 4th of July, which is, of course, Independence Day here in the United States of America. So I want to start by wishing a happy belated Independence Day to all the listeners here in the United States of America. And, of course, also a happy belated Canada Day to the listeners in Canada. Also want to extend a special hello and a special thank you to all the listeners in Portugal right now. Um... This show had quite a week in Portugal last week. We had a absolute um we just had a a surge of of downloads and plays in Portugal last week and I I am blown away and amazed at the fact that um people in Portugal where you can get soccer coverage and where you can you know you have sports daily papers every day and you have tons of great Portuguese language content um, in the podcast world um, are still taking time to listen to an American kid talk about Benfica in English. Um, that is just, um, it humbles me. And I'm incredibly honored um, to have the audience I have. And I appreciate all of my listeners everywhere around the world. A big thank you to all of you. Um, for those that don't know, we we hit the charts last week. I um uh, I don't really I don't normally look at charts. I don't normally um I don't normally uh, I do I do glance at them, but I use them to to get podcasts for myself to listen to. That's where a lot of the the podcasts that are in my regular rotation um, I found by by looking up charts on the website Chartable, and uh, to my Amazement! Um, I hadn't been on in a couple months, but on Sunday night, I found this podcast um, listed in the top ten, um, top five actually, <laughs> of uh, soccer podcasts in Portugal. So a big thank you to everyone in Portugal listening. Um, again, I am blown away, and um, I, it was just for a couple days, and that's I, I understand, and I'm. Super psyched! It's something I will never forget, and um, 
again, I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm speechless as to uh, the fact that people in Portugal continue week after week to tune in and listen, like I said, to this American kid talk about Benfica in English. And um, it's a testament to to the versatility and the open-mindedness of, of Portuguese people in general. And that is something most of the world does know about Portuguese people. But um, again, thank you. Now, back to this performance, this Benfica side that got the three points at home. Um, it was the debut of Nelson Verissimo as the interim manager. As Of course, um, if you haven't checked it out yet, please go back and check out episode 65. It's my it's my Brunelage review episode where I look back and I analyze and evaluate the entire era that was the Brunelage uh, year and a half at Benfica. Um, what went right, what went wrong, where it went wrong. Um, I've also got an article on Mr. Benfica if you want to check that out. It's still up there. Um, just given my, my thoughts from my unique perspective and what I'm seeing. And unfortunately, uh, this match against Boavista, unfortunately, kind of went exactly how I was expecting. Um, I was really, really bothered. And I've listened to, you know, I, I tuned in to to Mario and and to Luigi on Befica After 90 uh, on Saturday. And I tuned in to Befica FM. And I've tuned in to Vizão Vermelha. And everybody's saying the same thing. And I, obviously, if we all see it, um, it's obvious to people on the inside of the club. And... <sighs> I think I think what's what's going on in the at the club is shameful because these players threw away a championship for a, whatever reason or whatever personal petty feud they had with their manager. You know what? There's a, if there was problems like that with the manager, there's ways to handle it. It is not to throw away a season. Now they may not have purposely done it. They may not have went out and said today we're not going to try. But in the subconscious of a number of these players, it's evident that that is where they were. In this match with with Brunelage gone, you saw again the subtle mannerisms and the subtle clues, like a weight had been lifted off the shoulders, like um, like they'd rather come in second place and quote unquote be happy. You see them smiling. You guys just blew the championship. You threw away number 38. You gave it to one of the worst Porto teams that have ever, ever suited up for that club. And you have the nerve to, to play a game laughing? That entire team should have been pissed off for the entire 90 minutes. There should have been an edge. They kicked it up about 20% and that's it. The sad thing is that's enough in this league to win the majority of the matches. That that slightly below average effort they put out on Saturday would have been enough to win three or four of these matches that they blew in the last five weeks. That effort would have beaten Tondela. That effort would have beaten Portimones. That effort certainly would have beaten Maritimu. But instead... 
Instead, they got to sack a manager first. They got to bury him before they decide to put in a little effort. And I think, like I've 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 been saying, there are factions in that team because some of these players look look distraught and look heartbroken. And we're gonna play at the end. We're gonna play audio from the flash interviews, and you hear Gabriel and you hear Jardel. And well, from the performance on the pitch, I I was very suspicious as to why suddenly Gabriel was was. <laughs> was back to 2019 form from one week to the other. What what changed? And I'm wondering, you know, was he in on this? Was he did he have an issue with Lige? But then in his post game his post game flash interview, he's talking about this was, you know, this was all the work of Lige today and he he left this here and they just played in and honestly this team, if you didn't know Bruno Lage had left the club, you wouldn't have known from watching this this match. They played identical to how they played under him. Uh, Verissimo did everything just about the same. Verissimo um, even started Seferovic for whatever reason. Uh, you got the league's top goal scorer, and he put him on the bench and started Seferovic. And Seferovic did what Seferovic does, and that is be offside and miss wide. Um you know he he kept Chiquinho in the lineup. Chiquinho having himself a pretty good match. Uh, kept Rafa out of the starting lineup. He made very few changes. Inserted Gabriel back in the lineup. He was suspended last game, but other than that, it was you know it was it was Gabriel on for Samadish, and that was it. And still, you see on the goal, you see you see Carlos Vinicius, who's been benched. Laughing on the sideline. Why is he not pissed off? He's the league's leading goal scorer. And he's not even on the pitch to start. And again, they split the time. This time instead of 60 minutes for one, 30 for the other. It was 70 for Seferovic and 20 for, for Carlos Vinicius. And Carlos Vinicius is not a world beater either. But the way this team has lacked scoring, you're going to put 17 goals on the bench. There's something that we don't know going on, and I don't know if it's still going on or not. All right. Um, and this this just, it was a win, but it felt like nothing to me. Um, it felt absolutely like nothing to me. And I feel bad saying that because I can't remember the last time I watched a Benfica match and felt nothing. These players have... And our president too have just absolutely disgusted me. Okay, and the way that this this season has unraveled from a record first half of the season where we won seventeen, I'm sorry, sixteen of seventeen matches, dropping only three points to having a seven point lead against the worst Porto team in history, the worst team that that club has ever turned out. Not only do we blow the lead, we're now on the verge of allowing them to clinch the championship on Thursday when we play Family Count. If we don't win and they win, it's all it's over. They'll be celebrating in the Avenida dos Aliados on Thursday night. A team like that is has the chance to clinch the title four weeks from the end. We can never clinch a title before the final game, but that team, despite all the points they dropped, is going to go and win the title 
with ma- plenty of matches to spare. It makes absolutely no sense what these players are laughing about. At least that's just my my impression. I know if um if I'm on the staff, I would be absolutely livid. Uh, even Verissimo, he's been there the whole season. He's been working. Um, he can't be happy to see the players turn out that kind of effort, knowing he could have been a champion as well. Sure, he gets the interim, the interim job for now. He knows he's not staying. In fact, uh, I'm starting to rethink my my position, or I'm starting to rethink what I had originally stated about the next manager because it seems like our president is hellbent on bringing JJ back to this club at any expense because our president knows that his time is winding down and if he doesn't do something big, there's an actual chance he could find himself on the outside looking in after the October elections. And if the opposition candidates would just get together and figure out which one of them has the best chance to win and all get behind one, they'd have a real chance. That's just my perspective. That's just my personal opinion. But I I have a lot of questions about this team. I have a lot of concern about the direction this team is going in. And yes, I want a manager that's going to come in and clean up this mess. And JJ is someone who is capable of that, but we're making... From what I'm hearing, and I'll talk about it in the news segment, a very, very large investment. And if it doesn't work, well, our neighbors tried this years ago. And if it doesn't work, we're going to be paying for years to come. I hope it works. He's a phenomenal manager. I have never said anything to the contrary. However... However, history is often not kind to managers who return to a previous place of employment. Otto Gloria, Bella Gutman, Tony Erickson, Camacho. These guys all had more than one stint at Benfica. I don't think any of them did better the second time around than they did the first. Erickson comes the closest, at least uh, to my mind. Tony had like four stints, so I guess maybe you can take him out of the out of the equation. Tony, now that's a guy you talk about. You talk about coaching circus. There's a guy. You want to know what it is to love a club, right? These players could could learn a thing or two from Tony about what it is to play for Benfica and to have that crest. Tony was the manager. Took Benfica to the European Cup final. Losing only on penalty kicks to PSV in 88. You know what happens in 89-90? Benfica demote him to assistant manager to bring Sven Joran Eriksson back. And Sven was innovative in his first stint. Um, I look forward to, at some point, looking closer at his second stint. But you think anybody in this locker room today would have stuck around in Tony's shoes? Do you think any of them would have taken that? 
The man took them to the European Cup. Today's Champions League final. To be demoted. To be demoted. He could have gone and coached just about anybody at that time. He stuck it out. He stuck around. He was loyal to a fault, perhaps. He was a Benfica to a fault. But why do you think he's idolized by, by Benfica to this day? It's been 30 years since then. And he's still up there in the pantheon of Benfica and of Benfica managers. And guess what he did years later? He came back, managed again, won another league. He he handled the turbulent Vron do Calor, the summer of fire, whatever you want to call it, the hot summer of 93 when half the team split. He, he held it under control. And these guys go ahead and burn a manager and want to laugh in the next match. That that just that that's just rubs me the wrong way. That rubs me the wrong way as someone who who holds very dear professionalism. I hold people especially professionals, but I hold I've held every player I ever coached to a level of professionalism at any level that he played there was a level of professionalism that was expected. And to see these prima donnas and these overpaid crybabies who had everything taken care of them for the entire three months that this league was suspended. They had everything taken care of them. They had their meals delivered. They had their their groceries bought. They had everything. And they come out and give a piss-poor effort through five matches, piss away the title, and then have the nerve to laugh. Have the nerve to laugh like that after the manager's been sent packing. After they buried a manager, whether they did it on purpose or not, they buried a manager with their horrible play. There's no manager in the world, I think, that, that could have come out of that. Not the way they played. Maybe they wouldn't have played that way for someone else, but there is no manager that could have survived what Bruno Lage just went through, not at Benfica. Anyway, we got the news on the other side. All right, this is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr., on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Just search for Mr. Benfica on YouTube. And check out MrBenfica.com. Be right back after this ad. We're going to pay a bill real quick. And then we're going to get right into this week's news. we got quite a bit to go through. So um, we'll be right back, like I said, on the other side. Here and Mr. Benfica. And in the news this week, it's the unavoidable rumors. Our club is just absolutely uh, circled with rumors right now. You can't avoid them. I hate to talk about them. I don't like to even acknowledge rumors until we have something concrete. But given the state of the club at the moment, uh, they have to be addressed. But there are rumors and there are reports as well on both sides of the Atlantic now suggesting that Benfica and Georges Jesus are very close to a deal. I had gone on the record saying I didn't see this happening. I had said on Jata Jata, on Jata Jata episode 3, just a few days ago, I told Flamingo fans not to worry that I didn't see this happening. However, things have changed. 
Benfica have come in with a reportedly record offer for a manager. That's right. According to Correio da Manhã, the Portuguese newspaper, Benfica have offered a record 7 million euros per year to Jota Jota, to JJ. Um, no information that I could find regarding uh, how, the length of the deal, but uh, it is a it is a gross 7 million per year with a net of about 3.5 million per year which um after you include the very high portuguese income taxes uh still 3.5 million in going home in the bank for jj per year if you were to agree with this um but according to portuguese sports daily record um they're saying that jj is still waiting to see the details of the s- the sporting elements of the offer. He's not just interested about the money. He did say this um, in Brazil just a month ago when he renewed his contract with Flamengo. That right at this stage in his life, he's he is prioritizing the the football side, the sporting side of his life over the financial side. So we'll have to wait and see as more more um, information becomes available. Um, Despite recently renewing with Flamengo, like I said, um, he just re-signed until 2021 for $4 million per year. That is, of course, gross. Um, the growing sentiment in South America and in Brasil right now is that the, the Brasileirão will not take place this season, that it could be canceled outright, or it could be postponed all the way to 2021, as well as there is a lot of doubt surrounding the remaining fixtures and the remaining comp, um, just the remaining uh, rounds of the Copa Libertadores, which are the two focal points of JJ's um, of JJ's goals in Brazil. He wants to win the Brasileirão again, and he wants to win the Copa Lib one more time, and he wants to give it another run at the World Club Cup. But if those competitions do not get off the ground. Those competitions do not happen this year. Obviously, a 65-year-old manager has to think um, just how long is he willing to wait around for football to get back up in South America. Now, there is some football being played in South America. The only competition being played in all of Brazil right now is the Rio de Janeiro State Championship. The final of the Taça Rio is tomorrow, Wednesday, July the 8th, it's on at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time here in the United States, 5.30 p.m. on the West Coast, and 1.30 a.m. Lisbon Time. It's available on YouTube by way of Flamengo's official YouTube channel, Fla TV. So if you search for Fla TV on YouTube and you put in Fluminense, Flamengo, you will get the match. It is the final, like I said, of the Tasa Rio, and it is starting to look, to some at least, like it will be JJ's final match um, at the Maracanã. Flamengo star Bruno Henrique stated yesterday in a in a press conference leading up to tomorrow's final that the manager has not spoken to the team. Um, about any future plans and has not spoken to anybody about leaving the club. However, the star did recognize and admit that Umister, as they called him, has to do what's best for himself at this stage of his career. Befica player Florentino Luiz took to social media Tuesday to thank former manager Bruno Lage 
Florentino's Instagram post read, Mr. Leish, thank you for giving me the opportunity to realize my dream and for all that you taught me both on and off the pitch. And that's attached, of course, to a photo of the former manager with his arm around the super talented 20-year-old. Gratitude from the young and talented Florentino Luis. Where has Florentino Luis been? We've been wanting to see him. What is going on in Befica's locker room? I still tell you, there is something going on there. There's a group of players that are publicly, if not apologizing, they're publicly supporting Bruno Lage, And there's a group of players that are awfully silent. I think there is some serious division in this locker room. And whoever the next manager is, is going to have to fix this. Abala reports today, Portuguese sports publication, of course, Abala reporting today, Wednesday, July 7th, that Paulo Souza has revealed to the Portuguese paper, to Abala personally, that an earlier claim earlier in the day by the publication France Football stating that the 49-year-old manager is in talks with Benfica is absolutely false. So Paulo Souza tells Abala there has been no contact between him and anyone from Benfica. Preseason plans for the 2020-21 season are being worked out as we speak. Brun Costa Carvalho has announced that and declared his candidacy for president in Benfica's upcoming election, running of course against the current president, the incumbent Luis Felipe Vieira and others. The club has also announced that manager Nelson Verissimo, interim manager Nelson Verissimo, will be in charge of the club until the end of the season. Referee Jorge Souza has been named the man in the middle for Thursday's match away to Famalicão. And let's go through the scores of round 29. Here's the results. Round 29, Liganage, starting last Friday, July the 3rd. At the City of Football, it was Santa Clara 1, Maritimo, sorry, Santa Clara 0, Maritimo 1. The Azorian side drops a match right after beating Benfica. Uh, they were on top form, of course, but the team that had just beat Benfica, basically Benfica's last two opponents met up last Friday at the City of Football. And it was the Madeiran side beating the Azorian side 1-0. Saturday, July the 4th, Independence Day in the United States. In Portugal, it was football day, of course. And uh, four matches on that day. Vitória Stubal 2, Passos Ferreira 3, Portimonense 0, Vitória Guimarães 1, Benfica 3, Boa Vista 1, as we will talk about in this episode. And Sporting Braga 4. And the already relegated Desportivo das Aves, nil. Sunday, July the 5th, Gil Vicente with a huge victory. 1-0 at home to Rio Ave. And Vitor Oliveira's men mathematically clench uh, their place in next year's Liga Nage. They are mathematically um, safe from relegation. Tondela Nil, Fumilicão won. Fumilicão pushing for fifth place and for a Europa League spot and making a serious push now. They are, of course, Benfica's next opponent. 
And unfortunately for all of us, Football Club do Porto 5, Code City Blues, a.k.a. Bulinis, Sad nil. And the round finished out on Monday with Morirense nil, Sporting nil. All right, that was round 29. So on the other side, we're going to get into Benfica versus Boa Vista at the empty Stadio de Luz. And there's a lot to talk about, if not a lot to uh, unravel here in this one. So we'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica. Benfica episode 66 and we are at the Stadio de Luz now it is the empty Stadio de Luz and it's Saturday July the 4th Benfica versus Boa Vista Benfica on the heels of a two game losing streak Boa Vista not that long ago just a week or two ago dropped a 4-0 result uh, actually it was last week excuse me Boa Vista on the heels of a 4-0 uh, thrashing from Porto with a 1-0 win over Santa Clara in between. Now, let's go to the lineups, beginning with the visitors. Boa Vista in goal. <laughs> Elton Late, a name we're going to mention today, and a name that has been a... that, for all intents and purposes, has been um, mentioned as a Benfica Benfica signing as soon as the market opens. Uh, Elton Late, the goalkeeper for Boavista, and well, his goalkeeping would come into play. He did have a pretty good game all in all. However, there will be a moment there, and I am sure 
the three Pedus are already calling that it was a a favor for his future team if that is in fact you know if he is in fact going to be coming to Benfica in the f- near future have to wait and see Boavista are playing 4-4-2 the right back is Caraca the center back pairing Gustavo Dulanto and the ex Portugal international former Football Club do Porto player Ricardo Costa. The left back is Marlon in the midfield. Uh, they got Fernando Cordoso on the right side. Nawankobo um, Obiora in in the center, along with Gustavo Sawyer. And Paulinho is the left-sided midfielder with a twin strike pair of Alberto Bueno and Cassiano. Benfica in their nor in their normal four four two. Very little change. Like I said, if you didn't know, if you didn't read any papers, if you didn't follow the team aside from watching the matches, you would not have noticed that there was a new manager because this team lined up exactly as they have. Um the only change again, of course, is is a like for like change, and it is a four four two. Odysseus of Lacodimo in goal. The right back is Andre Almeida. The center back pair for this match is Ruben Dias and Jardel, and Nuno Tavares is the left back midfield. As always, PZ on the right side. The pair in the center of the park today is Julian Weigel and Gabriel. And Franco Cervi is the left-sided midfielder. Chiquinho partners with Harris Seferovic up front. So, in my rant at the top of the episode, I think I already um, said everything I needed to say about this starting lineup. Let's get right into the match then, and let's go to the ticker as we look in. In the first 10 minutes, I do have to say it was all Boavista. Okay, it was all Boavista in the first 10 minutes, and, and this team looked even less motivated than I was expecting. I was expecting Benfica to come out flying, come out like they, they've just had all the pressure of winning the league removed from them, which in reality, that's exactly what has happened. They're under no pressure anymore, and they, I think what was great for them last year was that that comeback came from a place in which they played with no pressure. They felt no pressure. They were so far behind that it was easy to just look one game at a time, one result at a time. And this year when they got out to the big lead and then they started to slip, the pressure clearly got to them as they did to the to the manager as well and I've already, you know, I've already driven home that point and um I spent a lot of episode 65 talking about you know the manager um kind of coming apart at the seams so again Nelson Verissimo is the interim manager now he's not to be confused with the referee in this match Fabio Verissimo who has a long history of just being horrible in Benfica matches and I don't know why he still gets assigned Benfica matches but he does and, um, well, he didn't have much to worry about in this one. As, like we said, the first 10 minutes, all Boavista. Benfica look um, just completely flat to start. And Elder Kundut, the commentator, says that just just before um, 
before swinging momentum, he does say that he gave a possession stat. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but Boavista was possessing um, by such a larger percentage that he said it's the inverse of what you would expect. Now, possession isn't everything. But if Benfica sitting back and allowing Boavista to have the ball, we got bigger problems than, than I thought. But in the 12th minute, <laughs> when... Uh, <laughs> When all else fails, a little bit of luck comes up. Here's the sound on BTV. This is Elder Conduto with the call. Cinco vezes campeão pelo Benfica Jardel. Gabriel Alpelt. E vai o brasileiro. Já passou pelas Juventus. Na Juventus. Há para serve. Nuno Tavares. Gabriel. Mostra agora o Benfica. Baixa toda a equipa do Boa Vista. Bola para André Almeida. Saiu o guarda-redes. Não agarrou. Olha o Benfica com perigo. Almeida bateu. Está lá dentro. É golo. Aproveita a falha de Elton que fica magoado e fatura pela quarta vez neste campeonato. Primeiro ataque, primeiro rebate, primeiro gol do Benfica. Não desistiu, André. So it's Benfica with the ball in possession and Gabriel with a, his trademark long ball, long diagonal into the box. André Almeida doesn't get to it at first and Elton late gets there. However, he he muffles it as it's in his hands, runs into Andre Almeida. Uh, I've seen less called a foul before. I'm not saying this was a foul, certainly. And obviously, I want Befica to win. But um, I've seen less called a foul. If the referee, especially Fabio Verissimo, had called it a foul, it wouldn't have surprised me in the slightest. But play continued, and Andre Almeida calmly slots it into the open net from a tough angle and it's amazing how uh of all players it's him to score the first goal and um a player that i've really um come to to be very agitated with very aggravated with i should say um over the past couple weeks and that effort he put in in madeira was absolutely embarrassing and of course he gets the luck of of all luck here as uh, literally a goal falls onto his feet. They give Gabriel the assist, which I thought was kind of being generous, considering the goalkeeper did actually have the ball in his hands and did muffle it before before uh, Almeida gets a foot on it and slides it into the open goal. But it is Benfica going ahead, undeservingly, if I might say, um, in the 12th minute. Now, I may be sounding overly negative right now. If I do, I do apologize, but... This was the first goal I have ever seen Benfica score where I had zero reaction to this goal. I had absolutely zero reaction. In fact, after about two, three second pause, I just started laughing. Like, of course, they get luck like this now. Now that we're six points behind, now we get this kind of luck. Where was this luck against Tondela when it was nil-nil? Or against Portimonense when we needed a goal in stoppage time? No, no, no. We get it now when we're six points behind. Um, needless to say, slightly annoyed with, with this. And um, six minutes later, it would be another opportunity for Benfica. Seferovic with a left-footed shot from the left side of the box. Saved in the bottom right corner by Elton Late. He had received that ball from Gabriel. In the, later in the 18th minute still, less than a minute later, 
Weigel with an attempt blocked off of a corner kick that had been conceded by Leet. The ball was cleared out, came as far as Weigel. He he took a touch, tried to get a shot on, but it did go into a sea of black and white checkered jerseys, and it was blocked. 19th minute, one minute later, it's Shikinu's turn. Right-footed shot from outside the box, but it was blocked by Ricardo Costa. Benfica now feeling a little bit more comfortable and starting to to appear in the match, starting to to play some football, if you will. And it's Weigel this time with a right-footed shot from outside the box, just a bit too high. He had a good effort here. He received that ball on a on a pass off of a corner from Andre Almeida. We move forward and now we head to the 27th minute and again it's late with another save this time it's Seferovic a left footed shot from the left side of the box saved in the bottom left corner Shikinu playing the Swiss man into the into the attacking uh, area and his left footed shot however unfortunately is saved by potential future Benfica backup keeper by the way speaking of Benfica keepers and backups did anybody See the tweet that uh, Bruno Varela has been returned to Benfica. So not only do we have Odi, not only do we have Svilar and Zlobin and supposedly Elton Late coming next season, we've also got Varela. Who is going to stop a team with five goalkeepers? Boy, Luis Felipe Vieira is building a squad, let me tell you. Uh-huh. It, it's if somebody doesn't come into this club soon and and start running it, look at look at what's coming down the road. I mean, granted, I know we're not going to keep five goalkeepers, but who knows with Vieta? He may think he can sell. He may overprice all of them and not be able to sell any of them. And um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Back to the 28th. It's Andre Almeida now with a right-footed shot from a difficult angle on the right. He misses just uh, to the right of the goalkeeper. And that was coming off a corner from Pizzi. Two minutes later in the 30th, Benfica still piling on the opportunities. It's Chiquinho, right-footed shot from the center of the box. But it was right at Elton Late. But in the 30th, the persistence would pay off. And after starting so poorly in the first 10 minutes, Mefica had taken complete control. And they are rewarded in the 30th minute with a quite nice goal from a player who has not been playing well. And a player who has been receiving a lot of the criticism along with Andre Almeida. So the first two goals are scored by basically the two players that the fan base and a lot of the press are pointing the finger at for the for the collapse and for the demise of the locker room or for the fra the factions in the locker room and it's another exquisite long diagonal ball from none other than my man Gabriel and this time it is peasy getting on the end of it here's a listen here's how elder Kundut called it on BTV Elton Lights já defendeu os remates de Seferovic duas vezes, André Almeida e agora de Chiquinho. Depois do erro, aos 13 minutos, já se redimiu com quatro excelentes defesas. Este guarda-redes de grande qualidade. E defesas de Atenção a esta bola. Pode ser perigoso. O golo! Gol! 
de cabeça. Luis Miguel Afonso Fernandes Pizzi. So it is Pizzi from a nearly impossible angle on the header off another fantastic diagonal long ball by Gabriel. And Benfica now double their lead. It is 2-0 here in the 32nd, in the 30th minute, excuse me. And Benfica in complete control. We will fast forward just a little bit more, and we have the first booking of the match coming up in the 40th minute, and it is to Bovista's Cassiano, uh, as he has shown the yellow card for a bad foul on Nuntavarsh. And then one minute later, finally the man, the assist man in this one, the man who was who is has suddenly revitalized, gets his own name on the score sheet. That's right, it's my man Gabriel getting on the score sheet in the 41st. <laughs> Gabriel with a thunderous left-footed effort from outside the box buries it in the bottom left corner. He's assisted by Pizzi on the goal, and suddenly, suddenly, Maestro Pizzi is back. Interesting. And Befica go into the halftime. Team talk um, with a 3-0 lead. So, first half summary. Okay, first 10 minutes, horrible. Benfica were, were pushed back into their own end. They were being toyed with, if to be honest, with um, rotating passes and, and off-the-ball movement and just completely being... Just being outplayed by Boavista. Benfica get a lucky goal from Andre Almeida and everything f switches. Uh, Benfica relax a little bit. They start to play the game. They start to move the ball. Uh, they get another by, from PZ, like I said, from a difficult angle. And then Gabriel makes it 3-0 right at the close of the half. And Benfica are cruising into halftime. And it looked like perhaps this was going to be one of those matches where Benfica opens up a huge lead. And we get an autentica goleada, like we say in Portuguese. Um, a blowout, if you will. We're going to take a quick little break here before we talk about the second half. But let's see what happens in the second half. All right. We'll be right back on Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and you can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Facebook, of course, at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And also, don't forget to check out MrBenfica.com.
Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. We're in the second half of the match now as we look back and off the start. Peasy with the right-footed shot two minutes into the second half. It's saved in the top right corner by Elton Late. Ensuing corner kick. Peasy delivers it, and Jardel gets his head on the end of it. And from the center of the box, he heads it, but it's high and wide to the left. Benfica, little by little, though, starts to take the foot off the gas. Unfortunately, um, they start to get comfortable. It starts to look like, you know, it starts to look like they're comfortable with the 3-0 result. Uh, another day is done. Give me my paycheck because there's a, it's been a lot of talk about that um, among Benfica supporters. Give me my paycheck is, is seems to be the attitude of this team. Um they're they're looking to get paid and they're looking not to work too hard for it. Um, a lot of us are saying the same thing. So you're not hearing anything from me. You haven't heard from anyone else if you're following all of the different content creators. If you're reading um, any of the independent independent commentators co in coverage. If you're watching BTV after the matches, well, you might be surprised by what I'm saying because... Um, well, let's just be honest. BTV has become the Vierista propaganda wing. And uh, I don't ever want to see Pedro Guerra on TV again, honestly. this, And then on top of it, you know, it's poor quality because they're connecting through Skype. And and the picture just kind of freezes and the voice the voice gets, gets garbled. But honestly, I don't need anything from, from Pedro Guerra. Unfortunately, this week, um, Pedro Validu also made some unfortunate comments. And it just looks like, and I don't blame the talent. I blame Pedro Guerra because he's one of the producers and one of the um, program directors, I believe, at BTV. And he's got nothing good to provide to any, any type of content. But the other guys, you know, Elder Kundut is doing his best. He's being fed lines that are just absolutely stupid. After Benfica scored that goal, after they'd been outplayed for the first 12 minutes of the match, right? he, he makes a comment, and I know this was fed into his ear because Elder Condut is a good broadcaster. He's a good pay-by-play uh, man. And having having done a little bit of, of amateur um, you know, uh, television work, I've done... or. It was more of a live stream, but I've done I've done color and I've done play by play a little bit. Okay, in the USL here in the United States, the local third and fourth division here in the United States, I've done it, and I also did a lot of this back in school when I was when I was in school. I did a lot of work um, in commentary, sports commentary. I at one time considered going into the field, and when you're watching a match or you're watching a game, you whatever. You have a producer in your ear telling you to say certain things. Andre Almeida scores, and Elder Kundhut comes out with one goal, one pass. Oh, sorry. One attempt, one shot, one goal, 100% efficiency from Benfica so far. And it, it was a comment that I don't believe came from him because he's watching the match. He sees Benfica being outplayed. He sees the tide turns on, a, on let's be honest, a pretty lucky uh, mishap by the opposing goalkeeper who otherwise had a good match but a very lucky mishap that changed the whole the whole uh, direction of the match and 
you know, that that's a line that's fed to him by a Vierista produ producer. And of course, and, and I, you know, when I first had when I first got BTV, there were programs I remember Vitoria Patrimonio. There were, you know, just old matches, coverage of, of things, stories, biography stories of other uh, older footballers and Befica legends. Now, all I'm getting is a Luis Felipe Vieira campaign slogan at every turn. We're going to be told all the time how great our president is and how bad it was before him. Well, that's fine. He did what he had to do, and thank you. He goes in Befica's history books as one of the greats. However, times have changed. It is 2020. It is not 2000. It's not 2001, 2003, or even 2010. Okay? He's been there too long. He's He's got too much power. If The big issue here, and I'm getting away from the match, and I apologize, but the big issue, if you look, everyone in a role at Benfica, in a leading role, is handpicked by him. He has himself surrounded with what else but yes-men. He doesn't just select yes-men to be the manager. I'm sorry, but I love Rui Costa. He's one of my idols, but clearly he's a yes-man because we have not heard a word from him throughout this debacle. We have not heard a word from him probably since he signed Pablo Aymar. That was the last time I think I heard from Rui Costa and from the, the Eusebio Cup match he set up against his other former club, AC Milan. We hear very little from Rui Costa. Tiago Pinto starting to look like he's a yes-man. Using, and you know, he's he's molding Louison into, hopefully not, but it looks like the plan is to mold Louison into a yes man. Nuno Gomes isn't there anymore. Why do you suppose Nuno Gomes isn't there anymore? I'm starting to wonder myself. Starting to wonder myself. And I'm starting to lose my patience with BTV. Okay, BTV provides live matches, so they have everybody basically guaranteed all they're not going to lose too many subscribers outside of Portugal because this is how we watch matches okay they they realize that they really just I, I've seen their programming just deteriorate to crap in the five six years that I've been a subscriber that's just my personal opinion, but there's very little on there in between matches that I really want to see, especially now with Modalidad shut down, with youth matches shut down, women's football shut down. There's not much else to show me that's new. All you've got is these league matches and these talk shows in which they prop up the president. And honestly, this is why it's so important to have voices like Benfica Independent. Like Mr. Benfica, I have as much smaller influence. Don't I don't I don't fool myself for a second. I'm not even speaking in their language. Um, they'll never know who I am. But Benfica knows who Sergio Ingracia is. Benfica knows who Nun Picado is. Benfica knows who Felipe Inglés is. Okay, they know who João Gonçalves is. Well, he works for BTV, also, or he has worked. I'm not sure about his current status with the network, but. Phenomenal. Okay, there are good people at BTV, but they are being quieted, in my opinion. I think they're being quieted, and they're being shouted over by the cronies, the bureaucrats, 
that are in the system of Luis Felipe Vieira. Back to the match now. And we get a substitution in the 58th for Boavista. And it's Yushupa Nije coming in for Alberto Bueno. And also, it's a double substitution. Mateus replaces Fernando Cardozo. In the 61st minute, Inquando gets shown the yellow card for a foul on Franco Cervi. 62nd minute, it's Nuno Tavares' turn to go in to the book. He is called for a foul on Cassiano. And on the ensuing free kick, okay, ensuing free kick, another set piece. And now, before we get to that, we all know who was responsible for set pieces. I've, I've mentioned it here before. I almost made the mistake. I almost called him Fabio. No, that's the referee. Nelson Verissimo. Okay. Now, uh, that to me does not disqualify him from being a good manager. Just, I don't think he's a good set piece coach. But that uh, he doesn't have to be anymore. He's the interim manager. This should be delegated. Because once again, Benfica surrender a goal on a set piece. And it's Luis Gustav on a left-footed shot from a difficult, difficult angle on the left foot to the top right corner, assisted by Carasa, following a set-piece situation, and it is three to one. And you have about five to six minutes here where it looks like looks like Boavista going to give a, a strong effort and try to get uh, try to get another one back and try to make this a nerve-wracking. Closing stages in this match. Um, Nelson Verissimo goes to the bench in the 71st minute and makes the, the swap we see every match. I can't remember the last time we didn't see this match. This swap, excuse me. This time it's at the 71st minute. It's Carlos Vinicius on for Seferovic. And it's Rafa on for Franco Cervi. And... Bovista would take the opportunity to make a substitution of their own. Nikola Stolikovic comes on for Cassiano. And really not too much to talk about. But if you can see the result out. Uh, another substitution in the 78th. Samadish replaces Gabriel. Gabriel puts in a man of the match performance. We'll hear from Gabriel in just a few moments after the match from his flash interview. And he had a few things that were interesting to say. Samadish comes on for for some garbage time in the last 10 minutes. And still, we find ourselves needing to make defense-minded substitutions to kill off a smaller team, to kill off a Boavista, to kill off a Morerens or a... You name it, a Pastrfajera. It doesn't matter. Whoever we play, it seems like we can't, we can't win a, a match comfortably. 79th minute, though, Carlos Vinicius with a nice would-have-been goal. It was played in from Nuntavarish. Nuntavarish with a, a nice cross. He's had a lot of heat. This kid has a strong mentality, in my opinion. He's taken a lot of heat from supporters. He's taken a lot of heat from the press for his mistakes. He's a 20-year-old kid. Maybe he's 19. He's somewhere in there. Okay, very talented. Um, not ready to be in the position he's in, not ready to be the starting left back for Benfica, certainly. 
um, would have benefited from more time in the B team. I think everyone would agree to that. But it is what it is. He's rolled out there and he makes his mistakes, but he seems to have a strong, uh, a strong personality and an ability to bounce back. And he delivers a nice ball to Carlos Vinicius, who who puts it home. However, the VAR will rule Vinicius offside as um, originally called a goal. It is overturned. No goal. And Bovista go to the substitutes bench one more time. Luis Santos replaces Gustavo Sauer. And Benfica will possess a little bit. And make their final substitution in the 90th minute. And I gotta, I gotta say something about this, because this is not okay. The manager has changed. Why? Why are you subbing in Jota in the 90th minute? This kid can. I, I heard a stat on, I think it was on Benfica FM, and they said he's gonna be the first player in history of a football league to have 30 appearances in 30 minutes of playing time. He literally gets on the pitch as it's ending. How is this kid supposed to develop with this kind of garbage time? For the sake of this very talented player. He is the head of his class. Keep that in mind. He is the number one prospect of his birth year in the Befica Academy. One of his best friends, Trincão, who he used to be much better than. Just went to Barcelona for a crazy amount of money. Why? Because Braga played him. Ruben Amorim went to Braga and put Trincao in the lineup. Players cannot develop if they do not play. The championship is lost. Why is this kid only getting a minute here? Why does PZ have to play 90 minutes all the time? Why is he guaranteed something? As you can tell, I'm getting very... <laughs> Very salty towards some of these players. You can you can tell in my voice who it is. But PZ doesn't have to play 90 minutes every match. Whoever the manager is needs to be confident and courageous enough to sit some of these veterans when the time calls for it. PZ has not been playing lights out. He's not played like somebody who deserves to... To be an undisputed starter, never come off, play 90 minutes. When we're losing, he subs him out with, with 20 minutes to go. Bruno Lage did. When we're winning, PZ plays the whole 90. Jota gets no time. And then, of course, what's the kid going to do? You give him five minutes to try to prove himself to hope to get six or seven or eight minutes next match. He overdoes it. What else is he supposed to do? I'm hopeful that Jota lands at a, a well-thought-out, good-fit loan deal next season. He needs it, or we're going to lose him. We're going to burn him, and I don't want to see that happen to such a talented player. Fabio Verissimo whistles for full-time at 90-plus-5. Befica 3, Boavista 1. Let's listen now to a couple of post-game flashes. Uh, first, we're going to listen to Gabriel the man of the match with a goal and two assists. A entrega do prémio de melhor em campo a Gabriel Apelt. Vamos começar com Gabriel. Gabriel, qual é o significado de receber o prémio do homem do jogo? Acho que acho que é um detalhe. Eu eu prezo muito pela equipe, né? Acho que todo mundo aqui 
tem consciência que o time é a força nossa é a união. Então acho que ser o melhor do jogo é, é bom, mas acho que o trabalho da equipe é mais importante do que, do que um prêmio individual. E qual é a importância desta, desta vitória neste novo ciclo que se abre aqui no Benfica? Eu acho que é uma fase que ninguém, ninguém, ninguém gosta de passar né, no, no futebol, mas o trabalho que a, gente, que a gente apresentou hoje é aquilo que o Mister deixou. E, e é isso. É, o que a gente apresentou nada mais é do, do que o trabalho do Mister. Muito bem, muito obrigado às palavras. So Gabriel is the man of the match there, and you even heard Elder use his full name, Gabriel Apelt, which normally we know him as Gabriel Pirsch, but I believe his full name is Gabriel Apelt Pirsch or Gabriel Pirsch Apelt. You don't usually hear the surname used, um, but he made he kind of made a uh, he made a point to use the, his surname throughout uh, the match and then used it again there. Uh, in introducing Luis Costa Branco um, to the Flash interview, and of course the man of the match, Gabriel, a goal and two assists. And what you heard from Gabriel there is that he, to to summarize, you know, he says he, the team's going through a tough moment right now, the type that nobody likes to go through. But he said that the the product of today's match is. The fruit of the hard work of Bruno Lage. He throw, tips his hat to Bruno Lage and calls him out and uh, mentions him by name, saying that he calls him Umister. And he said that this is the the work of Umister and that uh, he left everything um, in optimum conditions for the players to go out and do their jobs. Um, interesting to hear because I know a lot of people felt Gabriel was maybe one of those players working to push out Bruno Lage and well because I don't know him personally I can't I can't even begin to try to judge um how genuine those words um of support or of gratitude towards Bruno Lage are but um I wasn't expecting to hear those I was I didn't listen to the 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 flash interviews at the time of the match I was watching the match at my father's house it was the 4th of July here in the United States Independence Day we were cooking out we were having a good time as soon as the match ended I was uh, back I was outside enjoying the weather enjoying the nice sunshine so I caught the um, I caught the flash interviews on Monday morning um, when I started to review the match and um, yeah, those are the words of Gabrielli put in a good match. We haven't seen a Gabriel like that in quite some time. Now, let's hear what the captain had to say. Jardel. Olá, capitão do Benfica. Muito boa noite, Jardel. Qual é o significado da vitória aqui neste momento sobre o novo novo ciclo no Benfica? Boa noite. Primeiro, dar os parabéns à equipe. Acho que acho não tenho certeza que a gente fez um um grande jogo. É, como nos outros jogos também, eu acho que a gente conseguiu fazer bons jogos, mas infelizmente não, não conseguimos concluir em gols. Mas hoje deu certo, a gente conseguiu fazer mais um bom jogo e, e sair daqui com os três pontos, que, que foi muito importante. E, e já também quero deixar uma palavra ao, ao Mr. Laje, um, um cara que, que desde que chegou aqui no, no nosso plantel, é, sempre fez a, a diferença, é um, um ser humano fantástico e um, e um profissional, um treinador também muito competente é, e quero deixar aqui um, um forte abraço a ele 
e, e que ele tenha muito sucesso daqui para frente na sua carreira. Muito obrigado. Bom. As palavras de Jardel. There's Jardel uh, following the match uh, as captain of Benfica speaking in the flash interview and he tells Luis Costa Branco that um, that the team played well but he also said that things went you know similar to as they have been it's just today the difference was the ball would go in and they've seen matches where the ball just wouldn't go in um, and he was overall pl pleased with his team but then he made a short he made a point before the interview ended to acknowledge Bruno Lage also and he says he wanted to give a strong message of support and um, solidarity with the former manager with Bruno Lage and he said that Bruno Lage is an outstanding human and that he's also a very good and competent manager as well and that he he wishes all the best for Bruno Lage in his future and he's emotional talking about it you can see in Jardel's face you know, that he he is one of the ones that feels bad, I think. I think they should all feel bad. They cost a man his job. Was he perfect? Not by any means. Bruno Lage made plenty of mistakes, and I said it was the right call. He needed to go at this point, but it didn't need to get there, I don't think. I think if the team had fought for their manager a little bit, while he was still there, he'd still be employed. But this is... A this is a recurring thing that happens more and more now, not just in professional, um, not just in in our game in football, but in professional sports in general. We have high paid athletes deciding who they will and won't play for. I'm looking right at LeBron James. How many head coaches as the NBA legend LeBron James, maybe the greatest basketball player ever to play the the game of basketball. I know people my age are are absolutely in disagreement saying that Jordan is the best. But just for the sake of argument, let's say the best player. Um guess what? The team is going to get whatever head coach LeBron James wants when LeBron James joins a team. That is very wrong in principle, okay? There is something intrinsically wrong with that setup that completely undermines the authority of any manager or any coach. It's starting to happen in football. The sad part is Befica does do not have the equivalent to a LeBron James in their locker room. I'm sorry, Peasy and Andre Almeida are not LeBron James or Dwayne Wade. They are not um they're not they're you name the sport in the equivalent. You get the point. They're not Ronaldo. They're not Messi. They're Pizzi, Andre Almeida, and anybody else in that locker room, for that matter, that that thought that they were too good to play for a manager or thought that a manager was underqualified. Um, Jardel there showing a lot of class, and I think you saw in his face as he was he was very emotional, and I think he seriously feels. Uh, for the situation, and he's a fantastic Benfica. Um, maybe not the most outspoken of leaders, but just a. You can see sometimes when someone is an overall good person. He's not acting. That's how he is, and you can see why he would have bonded with the manager, saying that he's a, a an outstanding human being. And what happens is, good people tend to bond with each other, um, especially in tough situations, but. Um, it does leave him, you know, 
in the the Portuguese word is best uh, used. Say the word magoado, you know, struck or 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 bruised even um, from this situation. But let's go on. Uh, we've been I've been on on now. This this episode's going well over an hour. We're uh, approaching probably close to an hour and a half now. So let's go right to the goal point and go over that really quickly here. As we'll start with Boavista, Elton late in goal with a 6.1. Uh, despite allowing three goals, good rating for the Brazilian goalkeeper. Like I said, possibly our next backup. Or who knows, perhaps he's, perhaps there's already a deal for Odie to go somewhere else. You never know with this president and with this board. Carassa. 5.6, Ricardo Costa 5.4, Dulantu 6.4, excuse me, Marlon 5.5, Cardoso 4.4, Bueno 4.5, Obiora 4.8, Paulinho 4.3, uh, Gustavo Saber, Sauer, excuse me, Gustavo Sauer 4.6, and Cassiano 6, 4.6 as well. Uh, off the bench, Yushufa had a 5.5, Mateusz 5.6, and Stoljokovic 4.9. Benfica, Vlacodimo 5.6, Almeida 6.5, Resurrects from the dead, Andre Almeida. Ruben Dias 5.2, not his best outing, Jardel 5.5, Nuntavarsh 6.0. Franco Cervi, 5.5. Gabriel with a man-of-the-match performance of 8.8. .8. And we'll talk a little bit about him before we go. Uh, Julian Weigel, uh, a little bit down from what we're used to seeing from him. Still very competent at a 5.9. PZ, uh, another resurrected one, 7.9. Chiquinho with a good outing of 7.5. Uh, he made a lot of runs into the right places. And, man, if he had the finishing touch, he would have had a hat trick in this match. If he had the finishing touch, he wouldn't be at Benfica. He does a lot of things right. Um, he, But his finishing lets him down, um, thinking of all the goals he could have had this year and all the opportunities that uh, he, he earned for himself, really, with his off-the-ball work. Seferovic 5.2 and from the substitutes bench Vinicius 4.9 Rafa 5.4 Samadis and Jota do not play long enough to get a rating let's go to the stats uh, Benfica 15 shots to 6 for Boavista Benfica also with an expected goals of 1.3 to Boavista's 0.3 so according to the expected goals stat the right team won but it's a little bit closer than the scoreline indicates. Shots on goal. Befica 9 to Bovista's 3. Shots on goal from inside the area. The same 9-3. to three. So all the shots on goal in this match were from inside the area. And I think Gabriel's goal that I said was from distance. May have been from one with half a step inside the area. I thought it was outside but. These statistics say otherwise. The pass efficiency, 88%, Benfica to 74% for Boavista. Um, duels won, Benfica, 63 duels to 51. And also before I get too far ahead, I, I skipped the uh, vertical pass efficiency. So forward passes, Benfica 69% to Boavista's 50%. 
fouls committed, 14 fouls for Benfica committed to 15 for Boavista. Corners, Benfica with another eight corners to Boavista's three, and possession was a two-thirds majority to Benfica, 67% to Boavista's 33%. Let's move on now and talk about Gabriel for a minute, the man of the match with the 8.8 rating on the goal point scale. His heat map is, interestingly enough, almost all down the left center channel. Um, a lot of it, you know, within the first 10 to 15 meters after the center circle, um, after the midfield line, slightly to the left. Also, he has uh, a hot zone in the defensive end down the left as well. Looks like he provided a lot of cover for Nuntavarj in this match, as well as um, Franco Cervi. He had a goal and two assists. Actually, goal point only gave him one assist on the television broadcast. They credited him with two assists, but of course, that's BTV. Um, passes for, for a shot. He, had two sh- he, had t- he set up two shots. Obviously, those were the two assists that BTV gave him. Long passes attempted, 12. Long passes connected, 9. That's a very good number. Four dribbles attempted, three successful. Five steals and three interceptions for my man, Gabriel, as I used to call him. He hasn't been that in a long time, but shades of of better times from Gabriel uh, Pirjapelt. So that's going to do it here for episode 66 although i will go through the standings i forgot that last week i was so angry about the result let's go through the standings really really quickly here so at the top of the table of course our rivals in blue and white prison stripes they've got 73 points from 30 matches we're six back in second with 67 uh third is sporting with 56 fourth now braga 53 um, as they are starting to distance themselves, although Sporting not yet clinched um, in third place. We are pretty close to being clinched in second place. We need, it looks like, another point or so in order to guarantee, as we're 12 points ahead with four matches to play. Braga is fourth, like we said, 53 points. Fifth is our next opponent, Fumalico, an opponent that gave us two absolutely uh difficult challenging matches in the in the Portuguese Cup semifinals we had an easy time of it in the league last go around but we were playing much better at that time of course and Family Cone is now hungry as they can taste a spot in the Europa League pre-rounds but one point behind them and hot on their trail is Riuav Carlos Carvalhal's side is 6th with 47 points and one ahead of 7th place Vitória Guimarães um, still anybody's anybody's um, game for that fifth place, which will be a Europa League spot this year as Benfica and Porto. One of them will win the cup, thus freeing up a spot for fifth place. Eighth place is Morirense on 39 points. Ninth is Santa Clara. Um, in, and they are on 38 points with a negative seven goal difference. Uh Boavista also with 38 points and a negative 7 goal difference, but Santa Clara have scored 4 more goals. I'm not sure what the head-to-head is between those two teams, 
But um, and actually, Bovista just beat Santa Clara last week, so I'm not sure who has that head-to-head because we don't see that until the season is over. 11th place is Gilles Vicente on 36 points. Like I said, winners this week and now mathematically guaranteed to stay in the first division in the Liga Nage. Maritimo are up to 12th um, as they won again this weekend, this weekend or this week, I should say, over Santa Clara. They have. 34 points on 30 matches. Also with 34 on 30, but with a far uh, a five-goal worse goal difference. However, again, I don't know the head-to-head between Maritimo and Passos de Ferreira. Right now, Passos de Ferreira in 13th. Bullen is sad in 14th with 31 points. 15th is Tundela with 30. Currently still three points uh, clear of the bottom or of the drop zone, I should say. Uh, Vitoria Stubel also on 30 points, is 16th. They're one point above the drop zone on a negative 16 goal difference. And identical statistics, actually, to 17th place. Portimonense, in, in terms of goals for and against, Portimonense are 17th, 27 points. They're, they're four points from safety, although if they, if they level with Stubel and Tundela, I I don't know the who is gonna win. If it, if it's a three way, it would be the difference. And right now they have the same exact goal difference of negative sixteen as Stubel, uh, Portimonense with twenty four goals for forty against, just the same as Stubel, and already relegated. Desportivo das Aves is eighteenth on fourteen points. The top goal scorer is still uh Carlos Vinicius he's got 17 goals if i'm not mistaken and PZ still leads the league and assists we'll talk more about stats as we get closer to the end of the season and um only four matches left to play and then the cup final so we're getting close to the end of season 2 here on Mr. Benfica it has been a long one though let me tell you it has certainly been Along season two, as we began this season, I recorded the first episode of this quote-unquote season probably over a year ago. I'm pulling it up right now to give you the exact date. Not that it's really that important, but in the interest of curiosity, the season two premiere was episode 19, I believe. And it was episode 20 on july the 17th so we are 10 days away from having from this season being one entire calendar year long so that'll do it for this one that'll do it for episode 66 we'll be back on the weekend talking about the upcoming match with fumilico it's gonna be a tough one of course they're fighting for europe they can taste it we're fighting for our lives to extend or delay the Porto's party one more week. That match kicks off on Thursday, and it's, I believe, at 4.15 p.m. time here on the East Coast of the United States, 1.15 West Coast, and 9.15 in Portugal. Um, it's going to be a very tough match for Benfica, I think. Uh, Fumilicão are on form. And in these empty stadium matches, Benfica really missed the fans. I it, It's a lame excuse, but um, unless they're super motivated, they, uh, they do get sluggish. All right. Just a quick programming note before I sign off. Thank you to everyone who has checked out 
some of the the bonus content I have posted. I got an an extra episode of Jata Jata Kariaka. Like I said, something tells me that Jata Jata Kariaka will be coming to an end soon. I'm starting to come around, and it's starting to look to me like. He's on his way to Benfica unless something changes drastically in the coming days. Um, that'll dr- I got another one dropping Thursday is the plan right now to record that on Thursday before Benfica's match to have a Jota Jota episode come down on Thursday. And also tomorrow the plan is to record a Mr. Portugal episode. It's been over a year and I'm going to start my my mini series or I should say my uh multi-episode review of Euro 84, the very first time Portugal were in the final phase, the group stages of a European Championship and it was the beginning of a great run that runs to this day of Portugal in European championships and also thank you to everyone who checked out the episode of the parking the bus podcast that i posted on this feed earlier today um just trying to get a little bit more exposure to my other projects i i don't um i don't expect everybody to like them i don't expect everybody to be that interested on after all this is a benfica channel and this is a very uh, specific crowd i am talking to um, but I just want to share some of my other work and hope that maybe somebody will like it and I can direct some traffic towards those podcasts. All right. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with me. It's been a long one. Um, we'll be back this weekend. Like I said, Carrega um, Benfica, Forza Benfica, Belo Benfica. Let's not give up. It ain't over till it's over. We have to play that way even if we don't believe it. We still got to go out there, be professionals, and play like there's something to play for. We are Benfica. Tamu 38. See you next time.